and welcome to another episode of Every Square Inch, where we take the time each week to engage every square inch of God's world through the lens of God's worldview. I had to delay uh, recording this podcast a couple days because I've been sick, and if my voice sounds a bit congested, that's why. I hope everyone is enjoying their holiday season and ready for Christmas. And what I want us to ponder about Christmas is just how ridiculous Christmas is. The mystery of the incarnation, to state it theologically, but this is ridiculous to state it bluntly. We are so culturally numb to the claim that we fail to step back and contemplate the wonder of an infinite God in a lowly manger. I said this in my sermon yesterday, uh, to just think about what we believe, that our Creator was sustained by breast milk that he's crying out for in the middle of the night to a weary mother, just like every other mother knows, except that this baby crying out is God. I said said in my sermon, our creator having one of those uh, nasty diaper blowouts that every parent knows what I'm talking about, the ones that, you know, go halfway up the back. Our God had one of those. Our creator spitting up while he's being held by a family friend, our creator uttering his first words, learning to talk, stumbling about as he takes his first steps and giggling just with uncontrollable laughter that only a toddler can do. People, this is what we actually believe. And when you stop and think about it, it's kind of ridiculous. But I tell you who doesn't fail to appreciate its ridiculousness, those outside the Christian bubble. You do realize those who are not religious look at the notion of the virgin birth of God as utter nonsense. And the devoutly religious of other traditions look at it as utterly blasphemous. I mean, to speak of God this way is blasphemy. There is no doubt Christmas is the most controversial claim the world has ever known. And I think we need to appreciate and admit that. When it comes to religious beliefs, you do not get more outrageous than Christmas. You see, Christians affirm the classical uh, monotheistic view of God, that God is the uncaused causation of all things, that God um, is beyond space and time, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, or to put it really crassly, God does not exist. You heard that right. God does not exist, at least in the classical sense of the term. The word exist is derived from the Latin ex, which means out of, and stare, which means to stand. The idea is that to exist is to stand out of something, to come out of something, to emerge or come into being out of something and thus to be dependent upon something. That's not God. God does not exist God just is. Or to quote him about himself, I am who I am. No beginning, no end, just the absolute reality from which all other reality exists. To me, C.S. Lewis offers the best illustration of how to conceptualize this. Lewis says that people wrongly tend to think that we relate to God as people on the first floor of a building relate to people on the top floor of a building, as if heaven is this higher floor of existence where God resides somewhere unseen up there. And then on Christmas, he chose to come down to the first floor and let himself be seen and known. 
So in this way, we are still inhabiting the same existence, but God is just this most powerful being of existence in another realm of existence. But this is not our view of God. Instead, Lewis says that we relate to God the way Hamlet relates to Shakespeare. If you want to get your mind around the relationship between man and God, the most helpful picture would be the relationship between characters and author. The cosmos is to God as Middle Earth is to Tolkien, and we are to God as Frodo is to Tolkien. Now, with that in mind, return to the Christmas claim. The author wrote himself into his own story. God who stands eternally outside our existence enters into the existence of his own creation to save the story. To the secularist, that's ludicrous. To the religious of other persuasions, that's blasphemous. But to the Christian, it is precious. We believe the absurdity is its beauty. You just can't make this up, perhaps because it isn't made up. You see, if Christianity were just another man-made religion, then we would expect it to have the markings of such. Religions may appear on the surface to be very different, but in reality, they are all different takes on the same concept. There is a system to follow, tenets to keep, commands to obey, philosophy to embrace. Whatever it is, there is something to do, and in doing these things, you will get to an ultimate goal, whether that be a version of a god or heaven or a state of nirvana or even the new secular spirituality of finding yourself, finding your inner peace, your inner truest self. It's all the same idea of self-improvement and advancement expressed in so many different ways and philosophies. But then the myriad of conventional religious claims is interrupted by the unconventional cry of a newborn in Bethlehem. Here we, dis- we discover something different, ridiculously different, yet glorious in its ridiculousness. Not a way for us to find God, but the news that God has found us. Not a religion for us to achieve salvation, but the news that a Savior has been born. Not the means to obtain your joy, but the news of joy to the world. Christmas has forever disrupted religion by subverting religion. It's no longer what we do for God, but instead what God has done for us. If true, this is history's greatest news. But of course, deep down, we wonder whether it could possibly be true. This all makes for a great story a wonderful myth, a sentimental holiday, but we can't be expected to actually believe this. To which I would say, why not? I mean, if you believe in God and consider yourself a religious person, then is this really beyond comprehension? Again, I argue that the unbelievable nature of Christmas is what makes it so believable. A grand story of the author writing himself into the story to be the hero of the story by saving the characters of the story, that's not something any person would ever come up with, which is precisely the point. Religions all sound like conventional man-made inventions. Christmas sounds like heavenly revelation. When you explore not just the birth, But the life, the death, and and most significantly, the resurrection of Jesus, it all sure seems like God's story to me. 
So if you believe in God, then why is Christmas so ridiculous? Now, if you don't believe in God and are skeptical of religion, well, then you've got an even more ridiculous faith commitment that you are owning, the fact that we exist at all. Granted, Christmas claims the virgin birth of Jesus, but is that any more outlandish than the virgin birth of the universe? You know, without a creator, this is what we are asked to believe. We are asked to believe that nothing acted upon nothing so that out of nothing came something that happens to be downright extraordinary. Now who's being ridiculous? I want to invite all of us to behold the unconventional, controversial, and yes, ridiculous notion of Christmas as being just as beautiful as it is unusual. To see it for what it is, the greatest story ever told, the one true fairy tale as Tolkien likes to refer to it. I quoted Dorothy Sayers in the last podcast, and I want to return again to her. This is an illustration made famous by Tim Keller, who loves to share it around Christmas, and I understand why, because it's a perfect illustration. Now, to understand the illustration, you need to know that Dorothy Sayers was one of the first female graduates of Oxford, and she, of course, became a famous uh, mystery novelist. Well, the main character in her detective stories is a man named Peter Whimsey. Whimsy is a lonely man until in one of the novels, a new character appears, Harriet Bain. Now, interestingly, Harriet is described as one of the first women who graduated from Oxford and as a writer of mystery novels. And eventually, Harriet and Whimsy uh, fall in love and marry. Now, now, what's interesting about that, literary, literary critics who are most familiar with Sayre's writings believe, is that Sayre's looked into the world that she had made the story that she had written, and fell in love with her lonely hero. She grew sympathetic toward the character she had created, and so she wrote herself into her story both to love him and to redeem his life. Friends, what if that is true on a cosmic scale? What if we are a part of a great story written by an author who genuinely loves not just the story itself but the characters of the story? And so great is his love that he himself has entered into his own story to save the characters and redeem the story itself. This is Christmas. It's as glorious as it is ridiculous. And I pray you believe it. Even more so, I pray you indulge it. That the unconventional claim would give way to unconventional joy in your hearts this Christmas. Thanks to everyone for listening. I'm going to take a couple weeks off to shut things down a bit and uh, just rest and be with my family. Uh, but we'll be back in the new year uh, with more episodes. In the meantime, uh, your Christmas gift to us, if you have enjoyed our content, would be to rate and review us on iTunes podcasts. And I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Christmas.